June 29, 2023. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it is always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Believe the gospel and don't go to hell. Thank you for joining me today. I want to talk about how Ding Dong the Witch is Dead, Witch O Witch, the affirmative action witch. For decades, the Marxists, having Darwinian presuppositions, who think that image bearers of God are descendant from monkeys, have thrust upon the United States this demonic, diabolic ideology onto the public mind that we have to give government preferential treatment towards people with different skin colors than that of the majority of the nation. No doubt that bad things have happened against brown people, black people, yellow people, red people, white people. When trespass happens, you need justice. That's the purpose of our government, to defend rights. Today, the Supreme Court unleashed its ruling where it put a dagger in the heart of affirmative action. And I want to talk about that because it's significant. It's significant first and foremost because, in my opinion, it shows that the Constitution is still the governing document because there are those people who think that the government doesn't function or things aren't working or things are so corrupt and everything's horrible. So at the very first level, just recognize the fact that there's truth and the Constitution, the rule of law, is still functioning. It is still functioning. And if people believe that it's not, maybe they need to learn what the law is. Of course, I am not an attorney. I've never been to law school, and I don't give legal advice. I am someone that has read the Constitution. I do understand what the law is, especially the law of the land. And the more that I read and learn about common law, the more that I understand what's going on and, Lord willing, how to fix it. If you would, there is a million-dollar law seminar, million-dollar common law seminar, I should say, million-dollar common law seminar available at uh, commonlawpeople.com, commonlawpeople.com. Sign up for that. Join a, join a private association and get the knowledge for free. I lay it out. It's a step-by-step -step process beginning in the Garden of Eden and ending with how to get rid of the machines in our fraudulent elections. Of course, the common law, because it is the law of the land in the United States, it applies to anything and everything that you would have trespass or controversy in the law. Let's dive into the Supreme Court. Uh, there's already people responding. This is the New York Times posted an article not too long ago. It says, affirmative action. Supreme Court strikes down race-based admissions at Harvard and UNC, North Carolina. In disavowing race as a factor in achieving educational diversity, the court has all but ensured that the student population of the campuses uh, of elite institutions will become whiter and more Asian and less black and less Latino. Now, I want to point out a couple different propagandist techniques right here. First, I am a Christian. I am a Bible believer. I want everyone to go to heaven and no one to go to hell, though many will because they deny the gospel. Believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's more important than anything. At the same time, these Marxists, that's who they are, they got Darwinian presupposition, and they see the world as a have-have-not, us-versus-them dynamic. And so they're now trying to distinguish between people, image-bearers of God, according to our skin color. We all have the same color of skin, it's just a different shade. So here, public policy in our government has had its horns grabbed by these God-haters, and they've had it thrust upon the government and public policy and the public psyche through the eyes, through the ears, through the key terrain of the mind, the fact that there are distinctions between people with different skin colors. Now, I believe that there are distinctions, but whenever we're speaking about the government, the government needs to be very narrow in its application of its power unless it's going to get unconstitutional. Very simply, people have tried to shove down the throats of America the fact that it needs to have diversity or inclusion and all this other kind of godlessness. These people hate Jesus, and so they worship the idol of government, so they infiltrate the idol of government, and then they use demonic propaganda in order to steer the government away from the law of the land to the law of arbitrariness, capriciousness, that of the lobbyist and the legislature, that of precedent. And this is how it's happened. Affirmative action, in its beginning, was to recognize the fact that people who were slaves were treated horribly by the government, which is true.
and that people who were slaves or who looked different than the majority of the Congo uh, uh, of the country were to make sure that the government wasn't going to continue to do what it was doing. Jim Crow, slavery, that type of stuff. But over time, it just got worse. It just got more. The, the tables got turned. And now the tables got turned in the sense that if you are in the majority of the country, still, like me, you will look at other people going, you're a moron. How do you get that benefit? You're a moron. Why is the government not punishing you for destroying Windows. Hello, Summer of Love 2020. And so it is this racist notion that you can't have government discipline lawbreakers, at least in the form of Minneapolis and Chicago and Los Angeles and all these other people breaking the law, storming compounds, storming police precincts and doing all these other things. And oh, by the way, they're getting into college at, uh, you know whenever they don't deserve it. In fact, the plaintiff that brought evidence towards uh, Harvard said this, Harvard's admissions data revealed astonishing racial disparities in admission rates among similarly, similarly qualified applicants. The plaintiff's expert testified that applicants with the same quote academic index, a metric uh, created by Harvard based on test scores and GPA, had widely different admission rates by race. Here you have what's labeled You've got 12.7% right there on your screen in the academic decile of 10. So that is people who have a perfect score on their ACT, a perfect score. The amount of Asian Americans who got a perfect score on their entry tests. They are in the 100th percentile. They are the most qualified applicants. Well, you see white people make up 15.3% of that. Asian American people make up 12.7% of that. These are people who apply to Harvard. Well, then you look at African American and you go down to 12.8 is in the 40th percentile, which means that there are African Americans that get in at 12.8% who are in the 40th percentile of testing. So you can get a 40% on a test or have a 40 percentile in GPA, but if you're black, there's a 12.8% chance that you get into Harvard. Versus if you are 100, if you're in the best percentile as an Asian American, there's a 12.7% chance you get into Harvard. Which means that there are, just objectively speaking, dumber people getting into Harvard because of their skin color. So this is now, this is currently the standard at Harvard. It's going to change because the Supreme Court struck it down. This is what's been going on. It's been the forced dumbing down of America based on skin color. Using metrics for no other reason than because this guy looks different than that guy or that girl looks different than that girl. You're not according to objective truth anymore. You're not according to standards or tests. You're not, you're not looking at the educational value of, of, of minds bringing in value. What you're doing is you're saying, we, we know that these people are not as smart. We know that they're dumb. We know that they're not as smart as these guys, objectively so. But these guys have the right skin color, and they don't. And because group B does not have the right skin color, they can't get in, even though they're more qualified academically than these people. Now, this suit went on, and we bring up this, uh, we bring this up. Let me go to my screen. We bring this up and we say that there's already people, this is an MSNBC thing, that's already saying Supreme Court strikes down affirmative action at Harvard and USC. And that the conservative court trajectory didn't start with abortion and it won't end with affirmative action. I just want to point out, if I can real fast, that it's not just about ending Roe and it's not just about uh, getting rid of affirmative action. The Supreme Court as a whole is moving towards a common law standard. And that's really what I want to point out here. I want to point out the fact that whenever we look at this, that the common law nuked affirmative action. The common law nuked abortion. The common law, in this case that I'll show you right here, the common law nuked the fact that the Supreme Court is going to defend people. Here is an employee from the Post Service, he's a Christian, who wanted Sundays off in order to observe Sabbath. He wanted to be able to, uh, not, you know, not go on on mailing routes, 
And as the Supreme Court brought on Amazon packages, he said, you know what? I don't want to do that. Jared Groff, right? Uh, Jared Groff is a U.S. postal employee. He wanted to take Sundays off for church and rest. But then they started using, uh, the postal service started delivering Amazon packages. And as that was the case, the, the, you know, the, the case went on from there. My point is, his argument, Groff's argument, and you can read this in the Supreme Court case, it overturned a precedent. And that, that's probably one of the greatest misnomers in our, in our parlance today. The Supreme Court isn't using precedent. It's using stare decisis, which it calls precedent. But I believe that that's a lie. I believe that that's a lie because while the Supreme Court certainly says this is the precedent, and while lawyers certainly say this is the precedent, that is law of the case. And case law is based on precedent. But in America, we have the Constitution. The Constitution is the law of the land, and the law of the land is due process of law, which means the people get to hold their rights. And so if there is a precedent that all the judges and all the courts and all the attorneys are using, if the people bring their right and express their right by the Constitution, that trumps precedent all day long. And that's what's happening is that people are asserting and bringing constitutional arguments that are overturning precedents. So whenever the, the, the people at CNBC say that they're, uh, not that one, this one. When the people at CNBC say that they're, uh, they're conservative, not this one, uh, this one. When they say that the court's conservative trajectories didn't start with abortion and won't end with affirmative action, they are, this is a lie. It's not the fact that it's conservative. It's conserving the Constitution, but it's not conservative from a political ideology. And this is where I'm, we're gonna we're gonna I'm bringing a, I'm gonna bring in a word that I saw for the first time by Justice Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas used this word lexicographic drift. The fact that you can have one word with multiple meanings, and if you can just change the definition, you can use the same word. But if you're using it to mean different things, the court, and I'm going to show you in this in the opinion against affirmative action, the court said we're not going to play that game anymore. We're going to stand firm on what the truth is, and that is a celebration of the common law. That is a celebration of our rights. It's a celebration of the founding fathers, their wisdom because they love Jesus. They're bringing the truth of scripture, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They enshrined it in a document. I'm not saying the constitution is inspired by God. I'm not saying that's the same as the Bible. I'm saying that whenever you have people that completely believe the gospel, completely believe the Bible, if they were to give, if they were had, if they were to have an opportunity to make a nation, the nation that they would get would be very much like with the one we got. And so whenever you understand what God has given you, your rights, when you understand what your founders instituted, the public trust of the Constitution, you can make it obey. And this obedience is being done to overturn precedent by people expressing their rights according to the Constitution. That's a very narrow eye of the needle that I want to thread that you won't hear anywhere else. And again, I'm not a lawyer. I didn't go to law school. I've just read a lot. And all of this stuff is backing me up. All of this stuff is backing me up. In fact, if I could take one spot, if you want to support the work that I do, we're going to go around the country, Lord willing, we're going to be telling people this, we're going to be freely giving away our common law seminars. If you want to take your shopping out of Godless Commie, Walmart, Target, all these other big corporatist BlackRock owned companies, one big shell game, take your money out of that, switch to an American made company. That is patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, my Myself or someone who works with me will call you. We will invite you and we'll walk you through the process. This is not like what normal people do for product shopping. It is direct product purchase, but it's done in the private. So people like me have to say, here's how things go. And in the, in the upside, you're taking your money out of the godless commie system. You're redirecting it to an American-made company, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. The court here is saying that they are going to... So the, the MSNBC, they hate Jesus and they hate the Constitution. They're saying defend diversity, which is a misnomer. That's not true. That's not actually what they're doing. This is showing the fact that they use words that just don't mean what they say that they mean. 
Jessica Levinson, interesting. The Supreme Court just gutted the use of affirmative action programs in both private colleges and public universities, and it did so uh, by once again ignoring its own decisions. Now, the idea here is that you can't go back against precedent, but the law is not about precedent. The law is the Constitution. And this, this author goes on to say, the court explicitly recognized the government's goal of creating a diverse student body. Those days are gone. This is a reductive. This is not true. This is a lie. This is pandering. This is propaganda. This is parsing. This is using one word to mean multiple different things. And of course, someone like this author, what was her name? Jessica Levinson from MSNBC. Of course, someone like this with this belief system isn't going to actually say what the truth is. They're going to make it to where if you are not for affirmative action, you are a racist. That is the moral cudgel people like her are, are doing. That is the moral cudger, cudgel that the media, through your eyes, through your ears, for the key terrain, has been doing for decades. And what is happening in the Supreme Court is that there are people bringing constitutional arguments, common law arguments, defending their rights, and the government is bowing. The government is giving deference because people are finally making the right argument. Now here's where the, we want to go to. We want to go to... Um, you know, we want to go to the actual opinion. And here I just want to read, this is Justice Thomas. Justice Thomas, and this is, you know, page what, 28 into the, uh, uh, 20, 28, page 28 into the uh, concurrence. Of course, I'm just going to read, just listen to his, do, to his thinking. It's brilliant. Of course, none of this should matter in any event. Courts have an independent duty to interpret and uphold the Constitution that no university's claimed interest may override. That's very simple. Now, if we look at my handy dandy camera right here, and we go to the uh, Black's Law definition of judicial, where you at, judicial act, an act which involves exercise of discretion or judgment, right? It's going to be, it's also defined as an act by court or magistrate touching rights of parties or property brought before it or him by voluntary appearance or by prior action of ministerial officers. The idea is that whenever you go to court, you're using your rights to go to the court to bring that to court the opportunity to make decision, use discretion, and, and accomplish a judgment. So when uh, when Clarence Thomas is saying that the courts have to look at the Constitution, he's just saying what the basics are. He goes on and says, the court today makes clear that in the future, universities wishing to discriminate based on race and admissions must articulate and justify a compelling and measurable state interest. Now, why would there be a state interest? This is because these parties are public entities. And this is where most people will completely miss this. Most people will completely miss the fact that this is a state interest because these are public universities. Now you might be saying, well Harvard's a private university. If they take federal money, they are receiving a benefit from the government. If you're receiving a benefit from the government and then you have an interest, that government money is going to come with it with attachments, with a contract, with conditions. G uh, Harvard takes government money and because they take government money, they have to have um, you know considerations for the government. So Thomas is saying there has to be a measurable state interest based on concrete evidence. You got to tell us why you want dark kids and not light kids. You got to show us the concrete evidence what you gain from letting blacks into your college uh, that don't score well on SATs versus Asians who score very well on your ACTs. Given the structure set up by the court, I highly doubt any will be able to do so. And by the way, Clarence Thomas is a black guy. In an effort to salvage their patently unconstitutional programs. Look at that. That's strong language. Patently. What does patently mean? Well, that's just obvious. It's obvious. It's not hidden. There's no, there's no clandestine there. There's no um, hiddenness there. It is patently obvious. So this is a patently obvious unconstitutional uh, policy, which is what we would expect... Uh, to happen whenever you're, whenever you're, you know, going against uh, people's rights, you can't say we're going to benefit black people at the exclusion of white people. That's, I mean, it's unconstitutional because what if white people's rights are being trespassed from the provision and the the preference of the black people? 
that's wrong, which is the, the whole point here. 14th Amendment permits the use of race to benefit only certain racial groups, other than applicants writ large. Yet this was the latest disguise for discrimination. The sudden narrative shift is not surprising as it has long been apparent that diversity was merely the current rationale for convenience. This is Clarence Thomas saying that people are going to use words to smuggle in their ideology. So they will make an argument in the law that isn't constitutional and not really about your rights, but they'll say, we have to do this for diversity or equity or inclusion or whatever. And then as they do this they'll smuggle in meaning and this was diversity was merely the current rationale of convenience to support racially discriminatory programs in other words people that wanted affirmative action wanted to punish white people and because they wanted to punish white people or asian people they got these people smuggled in i, I will say um where is this there's a there's a book this just brought me up there's a book right here this book is the golden passport Right by Duff McDonald, Harvard Business School and the Limits of Capitalism and the Moral fa Failure of the MBA Elite. This article or this book right here is talking about the fact that whenever you get into these elite universities, Harvard specifically is what uh, McDonald talks about here. Whenever you get into these clubs, whenever you get into, whenever you got your name on the roll or whenever you've got your degree on the wall whenever you've got that you're now part of a clique you're now part of a club you get more power you get more access as a result of it so he goes on to argue that the masters in business administration the harvard kennedy school uh you know all these other places at harvard they're really just grooming for the next you know generations world leaders because that's how powerful they've become. And so if you're going to be a world leader on the next generation, you go to these schools to get access to that type of influence. Well, here, Harvard is bringing in people who are dumb, who aren't smart, but just because based on what they look like. Which means that the ruling elite has made these decisions that, it, that compositions of power and influence, hierarchy, knowledge, uh, wisdom, these types of things have to look like something instead of do something. There's no more purpose for benefit or blessing or good. Now the purpose is, well, you're white and you can't go to school here because you're white. You, you, you are black and I don't care how dumb you are because now you need to come to my school. So these, these people are godless commies and they just want to do stuff for the convenience of shoving their uh, agenda down our throats so uh, he says so Clarence Thomas goes back he says this case for the affirmative action has emphasized a number of rationales over the years so he's going to specify the differing justifications for accepting lesser qualified students based on skin color in the past he said restitution to compensate for those who've been victimized by past discrimination, fostering diversity, facilitating integration and the destruction of perceived racial castes, countering long-standing diffuse racial prejudice, right? Like all these other things are going on. But he says here, again, this court has not only recognized one introduced uh, one interest as compelling, the educational benefits of diversity embraced in Grutter, or Grutter, we'll get to that, yet, as the universities define the diversity as they practice, it encompasses social and aesthetic goals far afield from the educational-based discussion in Grutter, meaning Harvard wants people to look a certain way. They want people to act a certain way. They want people to speak a certain way. They want people to believe a certain way they don't care about the education based interest what they care about is the fact that we got 15% black kids or we got a bunch of gay people or we got a bunch of people that are fitting our ideology and that is how we know that these people are Marxists they're willing to use the powers the levers of institutions and government in order to force their way of thinking onto others here Harvard, which began as a seminary to teach Christians, by the way, is now taking its Marxist position and it's shoving it down people's thinking, that of people being Darwinian presuppositionalists. You come from monkeys. Black people have it worse because black people were closest to monkeys is what Darwin believed. I don't believe it because I believe in Jesus and the Bible. So if Darwin believed this lie, he, he restricted image bearers of God down to just their skin color. Now his presuppositions are being used in a social Marxist perspective to be a have or have not. You're white, therefore you can't have. I'm black, therefore I must have. And by organizing it along these lines, they force the issue, and by forcing the issue, 
issue, we get the crap situation in our society, our government, and our politics we do today. You see how consequential this is? As soon as you take your eyes off Jesus, you start to sink. We haven't been looking at Jesus from an educational perspective for a long time, which is why you've got dumb people who look a certain skin color are getting accepted into elite universities, not based on education interests, but on aesthetic and social goals. Right? The dissents to attempt to stretch this diversity rationale. So the justices, the ones that are appointed by Obama and the godless commies, they also try to stretch this diversity rationale, suggesting that it supports broad remedial interests. Basically saying the United States is too white and we need to give black people, brown people, we need to give not white people better opportunities. This is admissions percentages do not reflect the diversity of the state. So Sotomayor, who's an Obama appointee, she's saying that the education needs to reflect the diversity of the state. This is also probably why they let in a lot of people through mass migration through our borders. Because if this thinking type, if this type of thinking persists, you would then have public policy anchored to the fact that, well, the state uh, decision making, the outcomes have to be reflected by the demographic. Well, what if, if we go back to our, um, uh, we go back to our, uh, where are you at? What if we go back to this? What if the demographics are dumb? What if the demographics are incompetent? What if the demographics that are preferred, black people, brown people, whatever, what if they're not as smart or competent or capable as other demographics? Sotomayor here is literally saying they have to reflect the diversity of the state. Well, why would you let in a bunch of people that don't look like us if you can see their demographics are clearly not as intelligent? Does that make sense? Like, that, like that's just not great. We want hierarchies that serve the public good. You can't get rid of hierarchies. They're going to serve the public good. Equating the diversity interest under the court's precedence with a goal of integration in higher education, more broadly, and warning of the dangerous consequences of an America where its leadership does not reflect the diversity of the people. See, this is the same type of thing where it says, well, you can't have a bunch of white people in office ruling over a nation that doesn't look white. So now you've got people on one side that are saying we have to have, you know, if we've got four out of ten people are brown, then four out of ten people in leadership have to be brown. That's one side of the forked uh, invasion. The other side is we're just going to open up our borders to make the nation look more brown, to make it look more black. That's exactly what's happening here. This is a pincer movement from the Marxists. But language, particularly the language of controlling the opinions of this court, is not so elastic. Thank God. We're not just going to say things because we want to go with the flow. Explaining that propaganda, quote, in, contra in contradiction to the nature of language, intends not to communicate but to manipulate and becomes an instrument of power, emphasis added. The idea that Clarence Thomas is pointing out here is that there are people, my words, who hate Jesus. And because they hate Jesus, they don't think according to the Bible, they don't care about the common law or the Constitution, they're going to take those Darwinian presuppositions, that as brown people being closely related to monkeys, then they're going to infuse it with Marxism, and then they're going to say the powers of the state have to benefit the have-nots. In this case, people who aren't white. And people who aren't white have to have the benefits. They have to have the privilege. And that's what they're shoving people, that's what they're shoving down people's throats. And uh, Clarence Thomas correctly points out that is propaganda. That is designed to manipulate and it becomes an instrument of power. And this is why if you have skin color resembling mine, you're probably like, well, I, I don't actually hate these people. But if you say anything about it, you're, casted, you're, you're castigated as though you do. And the hate comes from the heart, right? Jesus says this in Matthew 12, 34, from the wellspring of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if your, if your speech is uh, like, well, like that, you know, like the black Messiah that I played yesterday, where she's like, you don't get to take your pasty fingers and click and type. and She hates white people. I don't hate people that don't look like me. I want everyone to go to to heaven. I want everyone to believe the gospel. I want everyone to believe in Jesus. And I believe Revelation 21, 24, all the nations, all tribes, tongues, peoples will be in heaven. So I'm going to be worshiping my Messiah in heaven right alongside someone whose skin color don't look like mine. So I got no hatred for them. I can hate behavior. I certainly do. 
But I don't hate people for who they are because their different skin color just shows that God's got a big box of crayons. It doesn't mean that I'm better than them. So if you look like me traditionally in this nation for the last 50, 60, you know, 80 years, you haven't been able to speak this distinction. You haven't been able to say this because the media has been propagandizing you. That's what Clarence Thomas, who happens to not look like me, is saying, by the way. And he's true. He's right. The court refuses, this is great, the court refuses to engage in this lexicographic drift. We're not going to let words continue to drift. We're not going to let words shift. Seeing these arguments are for what they are, a remedial rationale in disguise. And I'll, I'll take off this, but what, what Clarence Thomas is basically pointing out is Marxists who want to destroy the nation are using propaganda like skin color or affirmative action or these types of racist, horrible, godless, unconstitutional arguments to destroy society based on the moral cudgeling of people of diversity. And because, this is my uh, commentary, because people have give, given their thoughts to Darwinian presupposition, we're not grounded in the scriptures anymore, we're not understanding common law, we're not understanding the Constitution, because we give our thinking to people from Harvard, to people that are in the club, the Golden Passport, to people who are organizing our society using lexicographic drift, using one word but with 15 different definitions manipulating coercing people in, in order to comply lest they be called racists because that's happening look at where the world is so ground your ideas on the bible look to jesus believe the bible use bible words probably the best way to sum it is to use Bible words. I am very thankful that common law has just nuked artificial or uh, affirmative action. And the way that it did it was it basically said, you are a public institution for education. The smarter people who have demonstrated the capacity for learning, for knowledge, for doing things, aren't getting in. You are going against your expressed purpose. And so whenever you say, this is why I exist, if you're an entity, if you're a college, this is why I exist, this case now says you got to show a compelling interest why you got a bunch of dumb people getting in based on their looks versus all these other qualified smart people getting in. You can't do that anymore because of the common law. Now, I just spoke about briefly someone where the common law protects someone who loves Jesus. I won't cover it too much, but the idea is pretty simple. There was a guy, a postal worker, said he wanted to take off Sundays after uh, the postal off post office started delivering Amazon packages. And the, the idea was basically, listen, uh, this goes against my, um, my religious beliefs. And the Supreme Court today let out this idea that um, Gerald Groff now gets to take that off, which is a, um, a narrower ruling than some religious freedom people. Um, it, it is a very specific, very powerful um, religious freedom ruling. And I just want to go on this. The First Amendment says that Congress shall make no law establishing or prohibiting the free exercise of a religion. Now, your state constitutions, just type in Ballotpedia state constitutions, find your state, review your state's Bill of Rights, your state constitutions are going to have more rights enumerated, more things expressed, more things written that defend you in a lot better ways. Now, I'll say that the federal constitution was made after the states. In fact, the states made the constitution. So if there is a state that was ratified after the constitution, like Oklahoma, it was, you know, in, in 1907 became a state. That state, Oklahoma, for example, in 1907, is treated as though it is a party that made the Constitution. So you had the Constitution ratified in 1787. If a state's ratified after 1787, which is most of them, all of the ones that are ratified after are treated as though the original parties that made the Constitution. Which means that anyone and everything in the federal government is deferential to what the states do unless the Constitution grants the federal government that power. So when your states talk about education and whatnot, your federal Constitution doesn't talk about education. So that's a state power, not a fed power. Here, the federal government's Bill of Rights says 
Congress can't make any law respecting the establishment of a religion. So as this guy is is uh, working, he's got the right to say, I'm going to uh, you know, take the Sabbath off, and you can't say that I'm creating an undue burden on people because I've got the right to freely express my religion, and that says I, I want to observe the fa- Sabbath on Sunday, let's say. And if that's the case, uh, you know, you can't come after him. The U.S. Postal Service can't come after him because the U.S. Postal Service is a public entity. It's an entity in pursuance of the Constitution. So that would mean if the U.S. Postal Service went against Gerald Groff, who wanted to take the Sabbath off because he wants to, uh, you know, uh, you know, pursue his faith, the U.S. Postal Service can't target him. They can't discriminate him against that because that would be functionally a rule against his right. That would be legislating against his right. And that goes all the way back to Marbury Madison. That goes all the way back to uh, Miranda, Arizona where there is uh, where there is the discussion of a secured right. There can be no rulemaking or legislation that abrogates them. So if you have a right, in this case, the freedom of religion, you can't have the government trespass that right. Again, this is showing common law, constitution, defending the rights of Christians who correctly bring the right controversy in the law. And that seems to be what's hemming up a lot of people is they'll just complain, but they don't know what their rights are. And because they don't know what their rights are, they don't know how to bring that controversy in the law. Which is why I will, you know, this is why I give away for free the Million Dollar Common Law Seminar at commonlawpeople.com. Million dollar free common law seminar at commonlawpeople.com. Link in the description below. Now, I want to speak again to a, a, a finer point that I made yesterday talking about the notices and affidavits to Georgia regarding election machines. Your government cannot use its power, cannot give its power to a foreign entity. Now, when you and I hear foreign, we understand, we comprehend international. We think France or Germany or Italy or not America. But that's not what foreign means. So here, I want to show you the uh, Department of Homeland Security right here. They outsourced third uh, censorship to third party, then tried to cover it up. And this is from a House Judiciary Report. Let me try to find this. Here we go, let's do this, let's do this, and here we go. So here we have DHS outsourced censorship to third parties and tried to cover it up, right? It's it's implicitly admitting that its censorship activities are unconstitutional. Now, why is it unconstitutional? This is the Department of Homeland Security. Let Let me jihad this so you can see it better. Here we go. The Department of Homeland Security Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency outsourced its censorship operation to a nonprofit. Now, a nonprofit is automatically not part of it's it's not part of the government. This is not part of the government. So this is a foreign entity. Let me let's look up what foreign means and I'll show you foreign and that way you no longer think according to as you've been taught. Most of what's going on in this world is according to a bad understanding of what words mean. This is your Black's Law Dictionary, fourth edition. And whenever we look up foreign, we say, belonging to another nation or country, that's your international, so to speak. But again, either another nation's not necessarily mean that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not you. Belonging or attached to another jurisdiction, made, done, or rendered in another state of or jurisdiction, subject to another jurisdiction, operating or solvable in another territory, uh, extrinsic, outside, extraordinary. Now, in, in the law, ordinary, right? What's ordinary mean? Well, let's just look up ordinary because if something is extraordinary, that means it's not ordinary. So let's go to ordinary and you will see what ordinary means. Uh, ordinary, where are you at, ordinary? Um... Ordinary, ordinary. Ordinary is regular, usual, normal, common, often reoccurring according to the established order. This is your government. So if your government is ordinary, something that is extraordinary is foreign. So a nonprofit is foreign to your government. It is foreign. So hold on, come back right here for us. Can you have the public trust? 
give power to something that is foreign to the trust? No. The only way a public trust can use power is if it is to a trustee. And the trustee can only get power as defined by the public trust. So if your constitution, which is a public trust, says that people have to swear to it, and it does, Article 6, Section 3 and Section 2, then if people swear to the constitution, then they can use powers from the constitution. But if this nonprofit is not sworn to the constitution, then that means it is what? It is foreign. And a foreign entity can't have constitutional power. So if the CISA, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, it can't contract with the nonprofit to perform functions of the government. It can't. Because the Department of Homeland Security, ostensibly through legislation creating it, which I think that this is, I think this is uh, wrong, by the way. I think this is a violation of the Constitution. But uh, Congress created these dudes. And then these guys, this entity right here, has the power to contract. It certainly has the right to contract. But it can't use power. It can't delegate power to foreign entities. And that's exactly what this did. That's exactly what's going on. And you really need to understand this. And the only reason I bring this up is because if people understood what was foreign to the government can't receive government powers, then you could understand if your county contracts with Dominion voting machines, let's say, or ESNS to perform functions that the county is responsible for, then that company, that entity is now either subjected to the constitution, which means it's controlled by the people, or it's not subjected to the constitution, which means it's in violation of the constitution because it's using power delegated to the county for its own purposes, and it can't do that. That's a foreign entity, and that is unlawful. That is unconstitutional. If more people got that, you would be able to shred government. Glenn Youngkin, God bless this man. State Street, former State Street executive, now governor of Virginia. He is now being posterized as the darling child, probably because people are realizing that DeSantis doesn't have a chance against Trump. This commentary follows. A governor down there, Glenn Youngkin. It started with turning Virginia red for the first time in over a decade, uh, winning the governorship. And a year prior, Joe Biden won the state by 10 percentage points. And how about favorability? A majority of Virginians approve of their governor in the latest polling, also topping Joe Biden by nearly 10 points in the Commonwealth. But time is not on his side because Virginia doesn't allow consecutive terms for a governor. So with his term set to expire in less than three years, he needs something to do. Is Glenn Youngkin the dark horse of 2024? Our next guest thinks he could be. Democratic strategist and pollster. Yeah, Trump so you get a Democrat. So Fox News is propping up not Trump. And now Fox News is going to go to a Democrat to talk about how Glenn Youngkin could be the next dark horse. Folks, whenever you start to understand the Constitution and you learn common law, the day-to-day -day politics just turns about to be stupid. Because it is. The in through the eyes, in through the ears, for the key terrain of the mind, the prize of the soul. Glenn Youngkin has no chance to win the Republican nomination. They're only now talking about him because the Fox News audience, what remnant is still there, is they're going to try to persuade that remnant audience to go not Trump. And that's, that's the dedicated policy of Fox News and most corporate media, by the way. Now, I, I've been very clear about Trump's, you know, where I think he needs to repent and where I think he's been wrong. But this overture is just obvious. This is just obviously anti-Trump because it's, what, Glenn Youngkin? We're going we're gonna to go with a guy that hasn't even been a, what? This doesn't even make sense. The only reason this happens is because the globalists hate Trump. They hate him. And at this point, Trump, and I've said this before, Trump is, is bigger now than himself. He is now a symbol. It's no longer Donald Trump that's running for president. He's the symbol of the everyday working man. And for people that say, well, DeSantis is too, and you know, these other guys, okay, you're looking at policies. I don't look at Trump according to the policies anymore. I, I like his nationalist policies. I like his trade policies. We want him to be better on the border, but he was the, he was the guy that made the border popular. He was the guy that said, build the wall. That didn't exist until Trump. So I like 
some of Trump's policies. I reject the uh, sexual ethics. I reject the COVID lockdown, the COVID vaccines, and all those kind of things. But he's a symbol because now he's the dude that's screwing over all the other people who screwed over all the all the other people. I, I want the common man to have common law, to have a common right, and to be left alone and they keep their stuff. If you're paying 40% taxes to income to the IRS that goes and gives it to Ukraine or does it for diddling kids overseas, I think that's wrong, unlawful, immoral, and unconstitutional. And I want the normal man to not have to do that. And I believe that more than any other Republican candidate or RFK, because there's some people that are like, well, RFK, is a, he's a Kennedy. I don't care if he's a Kennedy. I don't care. But people would say that... Uh, People would say that, well, these policies are going to be best for us. I don't care. Trump's a symbol. He's a symbol now. And as a symbol, um, the globalists are now propping him up. So he's the next guy for Trump to, to smash down. You watch. Mark it. That's going to happen. Who's laughing at COVID? Dana Carvey, the guy from Wayne's World, Garth, and uh, David Spade, that guy that was always in movies with... Uh, um, Tommy Boy actor uh, Chris Farley I can't think of a movie, a successful movie of David Spade without Chris Farley Anyway, they were laughing, joking around and they had some things that they borderlined on truth, will commentary follows I miss COVID I know, dude, you know what I knew there was trouble when anyone that came to our country didn't have to get a vaccine and I go, mm -hmm. if you're telling me I can't go to work but everyone, everyone coming in doesn't have to get one, I go well once we found out, when Fauci said Okay, I'm sorry. If you've had two boosters and two vaccines, you can get and give COVID to another guy who's had five vaccines and four boosters. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between a vaccine and a booster? I don't know. It's just more vaccine, but booster sounds better. Anyway, a guy with 25 vaccines would get and give COVID to another guy with 25 vaccines. That's why I'm introducing the daily COVID shot. Every day you get a shot. By the time you get to your car, you got no immunity. But it's a beautiful 39 seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. They, they're funny guys. They do, com they do comedy well. Uh, I'll first point out, people like myself have been the crazy conspiracy theorist since before it was cool. Like, you know, calling it evil before uh, anybody else did. Calling BS. You know, I didn't know whenever it was coming out that it was manufactured, but I was sitting here going, well, there ain't a whole lot of people dying from it. They're dying from the remdesivir. They're dying from the lockdowns and the heartache and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, so anyway, like my bona fide aids, my, uh, you know, my bona fide aids on those are, I think, well established. But I really want to ask who's laughing at COVID. And I, you know, I, I want to kind of take like a dark humor twist to this because I think that Fauci's laughing at COVID. This is Fauci. Fauci buys exclusive 150-acre luxury retreat on the Potomac. 18.9 million price tag makes it the most expensive estate in the area. There he is, just standing on his own, you know, bridge, doing whatever. Folks, the 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 people who have perpetuated the COVID hoax and lockdowns and tyranny on the American people, they're still laughing. Now, I don't want to be one of these guys that are like, they're laughing at you, and not give any remedy, not to point any, to any solution. That's, that's one of the reasons of which I went hard into common law. Because whenever you look at all the disparity, when you look at the injustice going on, you, want to, you don't want to just complain. I don't want to just complain. I also don't want to just say, well, this sucks. It can't be everything. Because that's, you know, it's like James T. Kirk. It's the Kobayashi Maru. I don't believe in no-win scenarios. Christ died on the cross. He rose from the grave. I believe in a victorious gospel. When Christ gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says to teach all nations to obey. I believe that that will happen. And because I believe that will happen, I'm not going to look at this world and say that we lose down here. With respect to uh, you know Pastor MacArthur, I don't believe that we lose down here. I think that we can be slaughtered to Christ's glory all day long down here. I think that many people will try and fail according to their expectation, but when you do all things, whether word or deed, to the glory of Christ Jesus, uh, to, to to the glory of King Jesus Christ, First Corinthians ten thirty one, then there's no losing down here. 
But it's 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 in addition to that because God is so good that He's not just going to say I win and nothing else can go against me. He's going to say I win and here's exactly how it's going to happen. And I believe that the gospel conquers through the love and the wisdom of Jesus Christ. And in this case, this nation, America, has common law, has a constitution that is still the law of the land. And if Christians who founded this nation gave us that because they believe the Bible, because they believe the gospel, then I think it's incumbent on Christians today in this nation to crack their Bibles open, to read in their Bibles what the founders were saying. This is what we're reading in our Bibles. And then to say, do these ideas still work? And yes, they do. I've showed you multiple Supreme Court cases just released today showing how the common law is still in vogue. It is still powerful. It is still the law of the land, despite decades-long precedence. Affirmative action, gone. Roe v. Wade, gone. Discrimination against religious behavior, specifically Christians, gone. Now, why are these things happening? It's because the right argument in the law is being advanced. And so whenever you got the people who have done COVID are now laughing. Fauci's got his 150-acre property out there in Maryland or wherever it was. You got Dana Carvey and David Spade laughing about it because <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Now we're poking fun at it. But what about the people who lost their businesses? What about the people who lost their loved ones? They're, they got the glass in between them. What about the people that were adversely injured from the shots? What about all the things that went wrong during the lockdowns and you couldn't say anything then? But now we can laugh at it. And see, I think that this is a disingenuous treatment of what happened to those people, but also the folks that are still experiencing the malingering, or I should say the lingering effects of that trespass. This is one of the core reasons why I'm motivated to understand what the common law is because that was so wrong that I'm not just going to you know, let it go so I can get hammered and ravaged the next time. Because if you think the people who have propped up Fauci for 40 years are just going to leave him alone, if you don't think he doesn't have a protege, you're wrong and stupid. If you don't think that someone wouldn't give him the $150.18.9 million estate, Thank you for services rendered BlackRock. Thank you for services rendered Globalist. Here you go. Retire in peace. And now people are like, we want Fauci. We want Fauci. Okay, yeah, go go get him. Due process, stretch the neck. But afterwards, it's like, well, who is his protege? And is that dude going to be doing a, a round two? Because if that guy's doing a round two, shouldn't we be ready to undo round one? Shouldn't we be ready to withstand the next round? That's how I think. That's why I'm motivated. That's where I'm focused. So that's where we're going to be heading. And if you're on board with me, then amen. Strap in. Let's go. Last, I want to talk about the fear-mongering. Discerning the real threats. I want to play a couple things for you. The first of which is going to be King Charles, king of nothing, because he's freaking not America. But here's King Charles initiating the climate clock. This is dumb and gay. Three, two, one. King Charles helped turn on a climate clock at a summit in London this afternoon. It triggers 150 similar clocks across the major cities of the UK, counting down the seconds to 2030. The estimated deadline for limiting climate change to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels. But the UK's climate watchdog had a stern warning for the government today. The Climate Change Committee said it's confident that the... I don't care. I don't care. Shut up. Uh, climate change, I don't believe in it. I think it's dumb. Uh, I think if the climate changes, it's because God wanted it to. I don't think that you can destroy creation that God wants to save. I mean, it's just that simple. Uh, so, yeah, I don't believe in that crap. Uh, here's the next one. Out of wedlock births. 1920, 3% increases all the way to 2020s. We've got 41% in, in 2020, 74% of black babies in America were born out of wedlock. Your family matters. The intact family matters. One man, one woman with kids. As God designed all the way back in Genesis 1 and 2. Before there was sin, there was the family. Before there was sin, there was the design. We've talked about this a lot more, but the, the kicker here is that God's order round is, it re resonates as true. 
So while the godless commies are talking about the climate change, why don't we figure out the fact that there are now people being born into this world that don't have a mom and a dad in marriage as God wants them to? Christians, this is your call to start to get back to basics. Start to get back to the word of God. Start to live local. Start to uh, build on those relationships and those principles that God talks about in his scripture. The last one is that this is the percent of homos in America. 7.2% of U.S. adults identify as LGBT. Now think about that. That's over time. That's over time. 20% of Generation Z identifies as homosexual. This is not natural. This is a propagandized trend. And it's not going to stop unless there is truth in response to it. And the biggest, best, only truth in response to it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single one of these people, homosexuals, transgenders, pedophiles, murderers, sinners, holier-than-thou righteous pietists, all of these people are sinners. And they will all stand before God. We will all die, and we will all stand before God. When we stand before God, the only thing that matters is who paid for your sin. If Christ stands before God with you, that means that you trust that Christ paid for your sin. And when God goes to look at you, he sees Christ. And because Christ was perfect and sinless and is God and died on the cross, shed his blood for the remission of your sins, was buried, and three days later he rose bodily from the grave, God's not going to punish you for your sin because he punished Jesus for your sin. But if God looks at you and you do not believe the gospel, Jesus ain't there to help you out. He's, he's there right now offering you invitation, but if you do not accept that invitation, if you do not believe what Christ did for you on the cross, then you do not get the benefit. You do not get the blessing. You are not in the covenant. You are not covered by Christ's blood. And as a result, you will die. You will go to hell for eternity in conscious eternal torment in a lake of fire. And you will be there with all the other people that you hate your political enemies, your social enemies, your family enemies, all the people that you hate will all be burning forever. And that's not because God is bad. It's because you have declared war on him. Well, the gospel call is his invitation to you to leave that. Drop that. Leave it. Turn away from it and run far, far, far away from that and into the arms of Christ. Believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He took the cross out of love. He took the cross as a sinless man, unjustly condemned, torturously ravaged by the most excruciating, painful moment of death in human history. He was buried, and three days later, he physically rose from the grave. His physical resurrection is what you need to believe in. When you believe that, you believe every single thing that he taught. And when you believe every single thing that, you that he taught, you understand that he is the Alpha, the Omega. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the beginning, the end. He is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He is the Christ. And as such, whenever he went to heaven and he sat down on his throne, you are now in his service. You are in his blessing, but now you get to obey him. Now you get to bring this message to other people. This is the only message that matters. We can talk about common law, constitution, prosperity, trust. We can talk about all sorts of stuff. And I believe a lot of that is the residuals of God's wisdom applied to real life. Amen. Very good. But if you do not believe the gospel, it is all worthless. If you see the headlines of the day, the climate clocks, the out-of-wedlock births, the amount of homosexuals there are, if you see that in despair, look to Jesus. If you are in those groups, if you find yourself in folly, if you find yourself as someone who's being isolated or betrayed or you just hate your life, look to Jesus. Give your sins to him. Say, you are my master. You died for this. You've paid for it. I can't carry it. I am unworthy. Thank you. I love you. Please, please, please save me. It is that humble heart, repenting of sin, looking to Jesus and trusting the gospel trusting the gospel, trusting Jesus to, for him to be who he says he is, for him, to, for, for him to have done what he says he's done. That trust in Christ is what's going to save you. Your faith in Christ is what saves you by his grace. Appreciate your time.
believe the gospel. Friends, the best way that you can help me right now is to go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. It is a private association. So myself or someone else is going to call you. We're going to text you. We're going to say, hey, let us show you what's going on. And that's necessary because most of the world has given its commerce to Walmart, Amazon, and all these other big BlackRock situations. And so if you don't want them to own everything and put stuff in there that's going to kill you, go to an American manufacturing company, four decades of service, organic stuff, non-woke, switch your shopping that you already do to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, myself or someone with me will reach out with you and welcome you on board. This is the best way to support my work going forward. If you want to, in other ways to support my work going forward, there can be humble uh, wb.coffee humble wb.coffee this is air roasted coffee this is delicious the way that god made it no beans in a metal bucket stirring over a fire to get a uh, non smooth non consecutive roast this is perfect on a cushion of air it's delicious no preservatives no no additives it is organic it is fair trade portions of proceeds go to mail bibles all throughout the nations humble wb.coffee humble wb Coffee. And then lastly, you've got that livelocal.store. If you want to be a monthly giving member or you just want to do a one-time donation or you want to buy the hats and the hoodies and all that kind of stuff, that is livelocal.store. And just because I'm in a giving mood, you can get your free $1 million worth common law seminar at commonlawpeople.com. Enter your email, click the button, get all the stuff. You'll get 12 hours of free content in sequence explaining where the law comes from, what it is, how Christians think about it, how Jesus thinks about it, what the Constitution is, how it rivals your understanding for the day. And at the very end, there's an Operation Josiah, whereby God's grace, we will get rid of all the machines in elections in America because it is according to the common law and not some foreign third party unconstitutional godless commie freedom grab. Whew. Amen. Until next time, appreciate you watching. I'm Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Go to war.